Good morning, everybody. Welcome to KUHSDenver.com, streaming worldwide. I'm your host, Lowell Whiteman, Dr. Whiteman of 360 Performance. We come to you every Friday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, bringing you information about performance issues. Performance in all different kinds of endeavors, but we focus primarily on examples that may resonate with you that come from the sports and entertainment world. Today we're going to talk about an issue that um, it's kind of tragic for most people that have suffered this injury. It's a TBI, traumatic brain injury. That's our theme for today. What are the signs? How do you deal with it? How do you manage it? And by the way, it can happen to anybody of any age. And I think you might be amazed at how common that injury is, but goes undetected. And that's regretful. So as we set the show up for today, let's also begin like we do every week about our mindset moment. Our mindset moment this week comes to us from an Olympic champion. And that Olympic champion is um, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson um, had this to say about his opinion on education. I believe that it is better to learn from the diverse people around us than to try in vain to emulate them. Better to be a teacher than a role model. As strong as my legs are, it is my mind that has made me a champion. Now, I've had the pleasure of being around Michael when he has practiced his championship behavior and uh, adapted himself to learn from others that are around him and the diversity that that um, group of people has created for him. Because the next new thought comes from perhaps the next new person. So as we do every week, we try to give you a mindset moment that has purpose and meaning for today's show. And for me, the connection between Michael Johnson's statement and today's show about traumatic brain injury is about knowledge, is about awareness, so that you are projecting and emulating the best of who you are from what you've gathered from the best of others. So that's our mindset moment for today. Once again, we're talking about traumatic brain injury. We'll also be using the term concussion as a kind of a similar phrase for it. Traumatic brain injuries, the signs of those can be kind of subtle. If it's really serious, the signs are definitely not subtle. The basic premise behind a TBI is making sure you create an environment, you coach and share knowledge that represents a safety first mindset. Because that knowledge that you distribute to your players, your coaches, even the officials on the field is going to bring power that protects. I have a book today that I've read routinely it's a guide for me, Dr. Cantu, out there in, in wonderful Massachusetts, practicing uh, what he knows about the brain and the body, especially with youth. So he wrote a book with a colleague, Mark Hyman, about concussion and our kids. It goes without saying, for me, because of my experience with Dr. Cantu, that he is one of the countries, if not one of the world's leading experts on uh, traumatic brain injury and concussions as it relates to youth monitoring that effort. As educators, and I'm, I include myself as an educator, we have a lot of different things we have to pay attention to. And one of those things is the safety of our kids. Well, we don't tend to segment it much. We don't tend to dial it in to specific things like traumatic brain injury. We don't think about that on a daily basis. If a child falls down in the, in the playground, 
if a child, you know, bump together, collide in some way, you know, we, eva- we evaluate that, we examine that, but I don't know that our sense of awareness as to the signs of a concussion are clearly available and we are sure about the clarification of what those are. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. One of the things we do on the show every every week, talk about what we're grateful for. So with our mindset moment sparking my, my interest in knowledge and gaining knowledge and making sure that we have that brain-body contact and connection, basically having two weeks worth of shows about the brain and the body. Last week, we basically set it up with brain and body. This week, we're talking about trauma, brain trauma, and the safety of our body and our brain. So I'm grateful for my creativity and my sense of awareness. I work on it every day, trying to be more in tune to the elements around me, the people around me. With that awareness, I raise a certain level of chemistry in my body to be more astute in what what and how I see things, what and how I hear things, so that I'm aware of my surroundings and I'm able to then activate my creative centers, my creative forces, uh, whether that's creativity in what I might write, what I might draw, what I might create in the conversations I have with people. With that awareness that I'm able to get deeper and a more enriched creative place for myself. I'm old enough that I don't know if I've ever had a, a brain injury or a concussion. As I looked back over my history as an athlete, I know I've been concussed. <laughs> because I have felt like the symptom list that I will share with you later. Now, that being said, I'm using myself as an example of what happens is we we tend to overlook what just happened and the conditions it creates because we're motivated to continue. We're motivated as coaches, as players, as parents of players, as an official, as an administrator, to keep the activity moving. Let's make sure the game gets finished. Let's make sure that the exercises are completed. Well, that's all well and good, but without the awareness of what those athletes are doing and the severity in that awareness of what they did together in that collision, in the the fall they just took. We want to make sure that we're, we're staying on top of that. With that understanding, we get into a place with traumatic brain injuries as to what is it? What is the definition of it? Well, that's an interesting thing to take a look at, and I'll take a look at it from the perspective of Dr. Cantu in his book. Basically, he says, the word concussion comes from the Latin derivative of concutere, meaning to shake violently. And concussions are just that. It's a shaking of the brain inside your skull. Now, as graphic as this might sound, when that brain is shaken inside your skull, the skull is there to limit the boundaries, right? So the brain doesn't have a lot of room to go. So if there's a violent shaking or a violent contact that causes the brain to shake, it's going to butt up against something fairly hard and rigid. So for those of you who can see the graphic that I have here, we're basically talking about blunt impact as one source of head trauma, a penetrating injury, God forbid, that's a head trauma, some form of concuss uh, sound waves will, will create a blast or a wave against your skull, causing reverberation so that your brain actually does move back and forth. It's been shaken by something out, outwardly. If you've been, ever been to a big concert, which I have, a rock concert, you know it, with this information, you kind of go, oh yeah, my brain did feel like it was kind of vibrating in my skull. The other one that is uh, perhaps more common 
as an occurrence for sp in sports for traumatic brain injury is when there's an acceleration to deceleration. Some examples of that. Soccer players heading, doing headers. A wide receiver who dives for a ball, a pass, and, and falls flat out and his head goes forward. That's the acceleration. And then it quickly deaccelerates because of the ground that it hits, as well as the human body that causes it to, to stop itself. That is a strong force. When, we, when I ask parents or I ask athletes about, hey, have you ever had a concussion? You might get quotes like this from Amy Rankin. The first time I was told I had a brain injury, I immediately thought to myself, oh, I'm not crazy. So she had all these symptoms. She had all these feelings and these thoughts that were not part of who she thought she was normally. And then finally somebody said to him, you know, you're acting like you might have a brain injury. And she goes, oh, thank God. I'm not a lunatic. I'm not crazy. I understand it. Regretfully, there's far too many of the four million incidences that happen every year, traumatic brain injuries. Too many of them are high schoolers, college students, that don't realize, as, as Amy did until she was told, that she had a brain injury. You know, falling asleep in class, not being able to pay attention and retain information, being a little bit, one might call spacey, or not quite present. And her friends and colleagues now start picking up on this. And rather than considering that Amy might need some help, Amy might need somebody to ask her, are you okay? How are you feeling? You don't seem like yourself. Instead, we go to sarcasm, we go to make a joke and hopefully in some cases not that it's ignoring it for your friend it's just a way to diffuse and misdirect it away from something more pleasant if you see a friend struggling maybe you'll make a, a, a quip a joke about it so we can be distracted and giggle a little bit and forget about what's upsetting or embarrassing there are some very concrete signs about concussions and what they are how they're manifested and in some cases in the sports world in the most unlikely of sports what are you thinking right right now, you hear me talking about traumatic brain injury. What's the first sport that comes to your mind? Exactly. Football. American football. European football is not too far behind, which we typically call soccer, because they both have co collisions, one with pads and one without. I only say that because with pads seems to give the players an excuse to collide even harder, go faster, be stronger so they can hit harder. Whereas with soccer, I'm not sure that they still hit pretty hard. One of the things I want to point out is that the collision force of a football player trying to tackle somebody is like two vehicles running at uh, 30 miles an hour and colliding in a parking lot. They've done the science. They've equated what's going on and the force that's generated to create that accelerate, deaccelerate force that's the source of the traumatic brain injury. Typically, the two sources of brain injury and that trauma are blunt impact or accelerate, deaccelerate force. Those are typically sports related. The other ones, a penetrating injury, you know, a skull fracture, as well as the impact that, that skull fracture manifested itself from, and then the blast wave is more outside of a sports arena. You know, like I said, you would go to a concert, be a rock and roll star, you know, and you're standing in front of the speakers. Or maybe better put, you're the, one of the crew members out there, one of the roadies uh, working on the equipment. You are truly standing in front of the speakers in many cases. And then the auto injuries can create, you have whiplash. Well, that's the deaccelerate, accelerate kind of force that pushes the brain back and forth. And it can be either front to back or side to side, or in some cases, depending on the type of activity, it could be a swirling where the brain actually is, is trying, you know, the, the brain stem and the spinal cord is to keep it into place. You can get a brain that twists back and forth like that is almost it's like it's on a, um, a pedestal. That That is also a way of getting traumatic brain injury. With that in place, I'm going to ask you to think primarily about the sports 
as a source of uh, traumatic brain injury to begin to describe our topic today. We're talking about traumatic brain injury uh, as a result of a concussion, and there's different degrees of that. But in every case, there are symptoms and situations from those symptoms that need to be managed to maintain and then raise the quality of life back to where it was before the concussion. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk a little bit about the time frame. Too often in my time, in my lifetime as an athlete, even though I didn't necessarily know it was a concussion, we were asked to come back too quickly and perform. Uh, that still exists today. We've had Bridgewater for the Broncos. I believe he came back too, too fast from the concussion. It was 10 days. They had said publicly that it was a grade four concussion. That's sensitivity to light, nausea, maybe even vomiting, difficulty sleeping, engaging with people in a cogent way. Uh, many of those signs were part of Bridgewater's uh, diagnosis. And yet in 10 days, he was back playing. So pressures to participate and what to do about it is part of our discussion as it relates to traumatic brain injury. But as I say that, I'm reminded that it is a Friday. It is 11 o'clock or a little bit after 11 o'clock, about quarter after now. Beautiful fall weather here in Colorado. I, I'm just so blessed to be in a, in a state that we've got so many great things happening, especially if you practice the awareness of knowing where you're at, who you're with, and how beautiful it looks. Uh, we've got some just wonderful cascade of colors here in Colorado, even though it's for us, it's late. We're kind of late in our our fall season. Our fall uh, tends to start pretty pretty early compared to most because of the, you know, we are an arid climate. You may not believe that's the case, but we are. So our fall colors, if they're going to be most prolific, are going to be mid-September. And uh, so I'm, I'm very, we're very fortunate that we're still making it happen here in October, almost November. As I mentioned that, I remember that Sunday, Boo, I don't mean like my friend Boo, I mean Boo, like scare you. It's spooky. Uh, it's going to be Halloween. I don't know if you can see behind me, there are some timely placed spider webs. Uh, our spiders are extremely large here and very productive. Uh, on a moment's notice, we can ask them to produce a spider web and voila, we have a spider web right here in the studio. Not one, but two. Boo on, spooky people. Have a fun and safe Halloween this Sunday. I think you're going to have a wonderful time. We definitely need more events to make us smile and help us to appreciate just how lucky we are, what we've been handed lately in the last couple of years. As I move on, I want to remind us again that brain trauma, traumatic brain trauma, or brain injury, traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI, is our subject for today. As I'm using that as the focus, I'm also wanting to make sure you understand that brain body safety is not a one or the other. It's making sure that you are aware of how an injury of any kind, but in this case, traumatic brain injury, affects you. That's that's where I want to go now is to, is to illustrate to you both graphically if you're watching the show today on the video but I'll, I'll go through the four different areas of what happens to your what affects your brain and its development if you have trauma to that brain so one of the first things with that trauma remember the brain is going back and forth against the skull the skull's not moving the brain is you know cushioning itself into there you've got a bit of a fluid filled gap a membrane between the brain and the skull itself 
So when it goes back and forth with that accelerate, deaccelerate motion, and you have an injury, it basically shrinks the brain. You have less brain cells. They've been injured. They've simply put, they've been killed. And you've broken some connections within that brain tissue in its entirety. So you've got some brain size reduction. That's one of the main first changes. Because of that change, you're going to have consequences. There may be, if it's really severe, you're going to have a very demonstrative and very quick to manifest itself lowering of your emotional control. You might be pushed to tears very quickly. You may also get to a place where there's mood disorders and behavioral issues if it's very, very severe. Now, on the subtle side of the injury, it may be less apparent early. It's uh, consistent. You know, some people can be moody. They see a great movie. They, uh, a friend shows up. I mean, there's all different incidences that could emulate an emotional ish, an emotional outburst impromptuly. But we know that's because of those contextual references, a person, a movie, uh, some other form of stimulation but if it's consistent if you have a consistent view of lowering of emotional control you might want to kind of look back and say hey did they have any collisions lately oh are they an athlete what what sport do they play oh they play american football oh yeah they had that really really hard tackle at the goal line maybe there's something there well okay all of a sudden we start discovering things and that we probably should have discovered at the point of uh, the actual incident. As we continue with that, especially if it goes untreated, the brain itself, the brain injury itself, you're going to have a lowering of uh, things like concentration, ability to learn new things, paying attention, getting their attention, you know, engaging someone. It also lowers one of my things I'm grateful for is my creativity. If I'm asked to, let's say, draw a picture, I may make it a stick figure, whereas in, prior to that, I had the full capacity to draw a very eloquent figure uh, on paper with details, with proper coloring, proper proportion, you know, the whole thing. So my, my creativity, my creative thought processes are lowered and the ability to generate them are diminished. Now, those, those last three, emotional control, learning ability lowered, this last one, which is behavioral controls, they're all connected in many ways. Many people's personalities have all three of those connected in some way. So you you're going to get kind of a critical mass of affairs here. So if somebody is, has low emotional control, they're, you know, they, they burst into tears at the drop of a hat. And then when you ask them about it, they don't know why. They don't have an answer to you for why. That's that lower learning ability. They have trouble concentrating on what you were saying to them. They may ask you to repeat it. Now, this third one, which is lowering behavioral controls, the changes in your brain are hard for you to control your impulse behavior, continue to nurture or create relationships. And whether those relationships are with human beings or the relationships with a series of events where you're trying to get involved in a project and you're just having trouble finding your place, look, act like you're an outsider, whereas heretofore, you weren't that kind of a person. You knew very quickly, you were very e easily melded in to a group activity. And now you're having trouble doing that. These three things, the learning, the emotional control, learning abilities, and behavioral controls, with kids in particular, you're going to be able to see, because they don't have as many filters as us adults do, right? They haven't lived life long enough to create these, these filters. They're very trans, more transparent, not very as much as more transparent than the adults. So we want to be very conscientious of this. These are behavior related. There's also the physiological one, vomiting, nausea, sensitivity to light, especially bright light, feeling like they're scared 
skin is crawling. There's different feelings that will manifest themselves. With uh, And everybody's different about it. And the degree of nausea, the degree of vomiting, the degree of sensitivity to light it will vary from person to person because everybody has their own physiological tolerances for certain things that they manage better than, than others. Those things are part of both the emotional as well as the physiological changes that happen as a result of a brain trauma. Be aware of those. That was my other gratitude, is being aware, having a sense of desire to be aware. We all have a minimal amount of awareness that we have, but sometimes our world goals, our attitude, our desires have a tendency to, to modify how effective we can be in our awareness. It gets in the way. It filters it out. <laughs> but with that being said, the next thing I want to go to is making sure that you are watching more than you are actually talking to someone. Watch them first. And then when you hear them say things, you hear them interact, listen to what they have to say before you even ask them anything. See how they're behaving, listen to what they're saying and how they communicate with people, and then formulate your question. That, for me, is a great lesson of awareness right there. You can be present in great ways, in enriched and focused ways, if you really just take part of those five senses, the, the seeing, the listening part, and the ability to speak and combine them together at the right time. So watch, listen, and then ask questions to confirm any one of these four parts about the development of the brain manifesting itself in a traumatic brain injury. Because let me tell you, one of the key ones that has risen to the top lately is soccer players European football soccer players heading the ball. In 2015, as a result of some parents bringing a lawsuit, the banning of headers for players 15 and under was brought to bear in the United States. That banning has qualifiers. They have put in the guidelines that coaches have latitude to have only so much time in a practice. They minimize the amount of time they can focus on heading because at some point in time after 15, they're going to be allowed to use a header. But if they haven't had any training prior to that about the proper way to do heading, how to be aware of what the, what's going on in the field. It's one thing to go full bore, fast and, and physically strong in your behavior if you're not using your brain connected to your body to judge when's the right time to attack the ball with my head if somebody else is coming there too. I want to be aware of that. So part of this uh, legislation that bans heading for soccer players 15 years and, and younger was to allow coaches to begin the training process about how to be better aware, how to get yourself prepared to do a header. Put yourself in the positions that are going to allow you to, to deliver the best. As I say that, you might hear the hesitation in my voice. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that you're going to have everything go right. They are competitors. They're going to still try. They're going to they're going to see professional and collegiate soccer players successfully using headers to outcomes that everybody wants to see happen, like score a goal, make a great pass and score a goal, take the ball away from somebody else and Bring it to your team because of your efforts in using a header. And they're gonna; those younger players are going to be motivated to want to learn that skill as a competitor. They want to be that good. So we've got to be aware of what our athletes are doing so that we don't find ourselves in this position like these photographers and this fan where the king goes into the sideline going after a ball. And as you can tell, you can see he's grabbing the back of his head. He's got a grimace on his face. Something or someone of a very firm nature made contact 
contact with the back of his head. I have no information to tell you whether or not LeBron James got a concussion when he fell into the stands. Point is, is that he has an awareness of where his body's at, where the ball is at, where the sideline is at, and the people that are along that sideline, both with camera and not camera, so that he is seeing everything. He trains that way. He trains that way whether he's launching himself into the sideline after a loose ball or not, because he's running up and down the floor with 10 other people, or sorry, nine other people, his teammates and the other team's five, nine other people, and he, he's aware of bodies. He, he can actually, they have, I know from my own basketball days, I have a sixth sense. I have a feeling of, of who's around me because of how we practice. And we practice at an elite level to get elite conditioning so that if I choose to launch myself into the sideline stands along with the photographers because of my conditioning will have the physical prowess, the strength, agility to withstand my landing in the crowd. No guarantee. There may be somebody in something that isn't positioned where I want it to be and I get a little scrape or a cut or a bruise or hopefully not a concussion. I make the choice. I'm a competitor and I believe and entrust my Myself to my elite conditioning. For those of you who are watching my screen, I just now picked up a misspelling. It's not practice, it should be practice. <laughs> I left out a T. Practice falling. Practice falling. Before it became vogue, I used to bring out very thick either gymnastics mats or, or uh, we would do it on the wrestling room floor and we would practice going after loose balls and how to fall. You know, how to try to get the ball, then tuck yourself and roll your shoulders and land with a large flat surface of your body that can withstand it because of the muscle size and muscle mass you have there. So practice falling is a, a way to help you prepare yourself to take the beating and keep on ticking. Remember the Timex commercial? Takes a beating and keeps on ticking. <laughs> Just practice, practice, practice. And then when you do that, you've got the elite conditioning, you're a strong, athletic individual, your, your eyes, you get your brain connected to your body so you get your eyes working to see everything. The moment comes, right? Gotta make a choice. LeBron made a choice. His choice was, I'm launching into the crowd, people. I'm going after this ball. He landed, seems like with a little bit of difficulty, but nonetheless, he landed. He made a choice. And like with any choice, whether it's a basketball choice after a loose ball, or it's a launch yourself flat out to try to catch a pass and then land flat on your belly on the hard astroturf or artificial turf surface, or it's the center fielder launching himself out to try to catch a ball, you accept the consequences. You made the choice. You know what you've, how you've prepared based on the competitor that's in you. That, that nature of who you are, the brain, you make a choice and you accept the consequences. You accept the consequences. It's it's an amazing, amazing uh, thing to watch. These competitors just get after it. Just get after it. So let me refresh. What's the definition of concussion? Basically, shaking of the brain. Could be front to back, could be side to side, could be both like a swirling activity. It's all dependent on the incident. How did you fall? What kind of collision was it? Maybe it was both, a collision and a fall. It all depends. That being said, when that happens and you get up and you're not feeling quite right, too often a traumatic brain injury outcome are not quickly manifested. It takes some time. Yes, if it's truly a concussion, you have lost brain cells. You have changed the size of your brain if it's very severe because of the loss of that tissue. Those, the symptoms that will relate to that concussion may not manifest themselves for a while. That's enough time for coaches, players, administrators, uh, heck, even the press to make up a decisions about, oh, he's okay. She'll be fine. She's a tough cookie. That's where I would make sure your awareness kicks in. 
them and you see everything. You make sure the medical professionals are nearby so that they can evaluate how well you're doing. And in that moment, can you squeeze my hands? Because if you can't, if you can't really squeeze my hands, you can't look me straight in the eye. Or if I have a flashlight and that light bothers you, those are all signs of being aware of a traumatic brain injury situation. When you perform as an athlete, as a competitor, there's lots of different sports. Now, baseball is one of my favorite sports, and I was a catcher, and I had many a moment where I was the uh, the object between a base runner and home plate to score a run. And I had equipment on, not a lot of equipment, definitely not always uh, enough equipment to take on the physicality of the person coming down the third baseline at me. And too often, we got into situations where I'm trying to make a tag so that they can't get to the plate, that looks a lot like this picture we have here today, where the catcher, whose shoulders and whose head and neck are in a contorted position in an effort to try to tag out the base runner and not let them get to the plate while doing that uh, effort. So when, when we see things like that, if you were an administrator, or maybe you have been an administrator, or maybe you're a GM or coach, and you see this happening, what are you thinking about first? Well, many people will be saying, is he out or not? And until that play is over, we don't go to reconciling what we saw in that contorted body of that catcher. And that's nasty. That's a neck and shoulders and head that is just twisted beyond its normal range of motion. Organizations need to be aware of what they are responsible for if, in fact, God forbid, that player has an injury. Leadership promotes the awareness of this. I have been on fields and, and in stadiums where when incidences like this happen and the professionals that are there, the medical professionals, the administrative professionals, and leadership within the organization see this. Because leadership has promoted awareness within the organization, we all, all of a sudden our eyebrows go up. We go, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Once we see how this athlete responds after this collision, I'm ready to move into action because I've been trained both physically and cognitively meaning your brain, your thinking processes, and your emotions. I see this. If that athlete doesn't get up quickly and is stable, looks like they're able to create their motion, do what they needed to do, then I'll, I'll hold off on my training getting kicked into gear. But if there's anything other than that, that player doesn't get up, they've been knocked unconscious, my training will kick in. And because my organization has communicated to me what to look for, even if I'm not directly right there, talking to that athlete, you'll be able to see based on your training and your experience through the communications at the organizational level, what the TBI signs look like in that athlete at that moment. All of that's wonderful. And at certain levels, obviously the pro level, asking about medical support, even questioning whether it even exists, many times is redundant. It's not necessary because it's, it's part of the protocol of game day setup. It's part of the protocol for practices at the pro level. In recent months, we know that's the case at the pro level with the, with the COVID epidemic and all that that virus caused organizations to have to consider. We talked about it in one of our shows about the bubble that the NBA put together for the 2020 playoffs. It's just, it was amazing the support, the medical support that was there. As we move back from to the younger ages, away from professional sports, we then have to wonder, are all of our children properly taken care of because we have the necessary medical support, both at practice and at games? And if 
that support is defined as all hands on deck, meaning not only EM, EMS people there, as well as medical doctors being present, but the coaches and administrators have also discussed and been trained about what we need to do when we have the signs that indicate we have a traumatic brain injury. It's because of that awareness over the years, regretfully also because of tragedy, that things like certain kinds of ice packs and ice compression systems, ice jackets, are brought to bear when we know we have a traumatic brain injury that's involving a spinal cord. That has helped individual athletes survive any kind of paralyzations because we were aware of these things happen, we studied the medicine, we bring that technology to bear on the field whenever possible. That would be the ultimate in medical support. As you have all of these pieces in place as an organization, the key is taking action and not wavering in your commitment to deliver what is necessary. Not allowing, being resolved in saying the right things to managers, coaches, administrators about the condition of that athlete. Do not waver. This player must not continue to play. We have very clear signs that they have indicators that there's a traumatic brain injury here. Now, that's also been something that's very interesting as it relates to professional football. There are supposed to be medical professionals in the press box area watching the field to see when there are collisions, which there's going to be, right? And once the whistle's blown, they watch the behavior, how people stand up, how quickly they stand up, how, how well coordinated are they in walking away from that play. And they will then, if they see the signs of any kind of wavering or misdirection by the player, they walk to the wrong bench after a play. They may, there may be a call made to the sideline to the medical professionals down there that asks for that player not to be let into the next play until they're examined and then cleared from that examination. Those are great inroads. I can only imagine what could have happened in the lives of many football players years ago if we would have had those kinds of levels of awareness and support on the sidelines from the medical support and the organizational responsibilities that were put into play. There may have been a number of people's lives saved because of it. And the quality of their life after football would have been even better. When we look at organizational stuff, my in my world, I look above and below the surface. Mental performance coaching takes a look at the organizational responsibilities and then looks below the surface of what they need to do, which the examples of that are when the athlete has been identified with a traumatic brain injury, the below-the-surface examinations that we need to do are following up with them when they're at home. Are you sleeping okay? Are you sleeping soundly? Does light still bother you? And we go through the agenda with them. Not every organization pays attention to those particular steps because, quite honestly, in professional football, there's still organizations and individuals that lead in those organizations that want those athletes to be back on play as soon as possible because the organization's spending lots of money for them to play. It's a business. It's a business of sports entertainment. In the Huffington Post, when the um, reports come out about banning headers for 15-year-olds and under, when reports come out about paralysis, when reports come out about a death due to suicide because... A professional football player can't take it anymore. We have quotes like this. Any parent who has left their child, any parent who has let their child play football in the past 50 years and claimed never to have understood the risks involved was either kidding himself or an idiot. That was from Buzz, Buzz Bissinger of the Huffington Post. I put this quote in here because it's strong. 
and it's meant to be strong so that the realities of participation in certain sports that have by design collisions in the sport, you've got, you've got to have your eyes wide open. You've got to be aware of what's going on and make sure that you're taking care of your children and that you're doing things like, my child's a baseball player. I've just gone to the, the administration and the school district and I've said, put chin straps on the helmets. I want to make sure that when my kid slides into first or second base or third base head first, their helmet will stay on because I don't need their helmet to come off and then a tag is applied very firmly to the head of my child without a helmet on. That should be a necessity all the way up to the pros. Put a chin strap on the helmet. Let's take a look at Bridgewater and his play as a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He is my choice as the poster child for pro football players who don't take their chin straps seriously. The technology has changed to a point where it's no longer a snap if you don't want it to be. It's got a slide on it now. You can push it and slide your strap to tighten or loosen it. How many times have you seen Teddy Bridgewater's helmet pop off because he fell down? He doesn't have his helmet on tight. And I tell you what, he's already gone out once with a concussion. Is there going to be more times? He doesn't have the equipment properly put onto his head to utilize it fully for safety. Now, I'm not naive. Those helmets are only not a minor. They've got a lot of quality in the build of a football helmet. There's still a chance you're going to get a concussion getting hit in the head and your helmet stays on because you can also have, remember we said accelerant, deaccelerant? Your head could whiplash. Bridgewater gets knocked on his butt from a defensive end and his head goes wop wop on the surface. Well, his helmet stayed on. He learned about keeping his helmet on, tightening his strap down. But that acceleration, deacceleration, that whipping, he still has his brain banging back and forth in his skull. Now, maybe less intense, but still it's happening. That's the definition of concussion. And the helmet may help him a little bit, so it reduces the severity of the potential injury, but there's still the potential. But let's start off from the beginning. It is a tough sport. It's a violent sport. Put a chin strap on and use it properly. We've got to get over the, the things we can do. Do them. They're simple because you'll... You'll stay in the game a lot longer <laughs> if, you, if you love the game. It's not about style, Mr. Bridgewater. It's about playing the game at the level that you can play it and using every device known to man to allow you to do that. Like a chin strap. That would be a good thing. Oh, my goodness. It's a great day. And, it, and being a great day, knowing the facts and being able to share this great information with you could, in fact, help you in your awareness to check a chin strap. Make sure that your child is fully conditioned, physically strong, well-prepared, and aware of what's going on in the game. 99% of the ailing, I'm going to emphasize ailing, NFL players show hallmarks of neurodegenerative disease. Their brain is smaller, it's shrunk, it's degenerated because they had traumatic brain injury. The picture I have on the screen right now are two defensive players whose heads are coming together at the tackle point of a running back, maybe a receiver, I can't tell for sure, but a person with the ball. Well, that person with the ball is, is getting tackled, but the people that are getting the most impact of the force are the two teammates on the defensive squad. Their two helmets are coming together. Based on my judgment and the definition of the rules of engagement for tackling, it appears that both players are coming into that ball carrier with their shoulder, not their helmet. Regretfully, they're both on the same side of the player and their helmets connect.
I would be remiss to note, though, if one player, number 45 in this picture, is kind of parallel to the ground like they've launched off their feet, that's not the best technique. Good technique on the shoulder, but should have closed it out a little bit more instead of launching yourself into it. Now, I'm hoping that this picture is only a good example of what not to do with your using your head. I would be more inclined to say using your head through greater awareness, greater thinking power, as to what Michael Johnson said at the opening of the show. Use your brain. It's not necessarily your physical skills that will get you to the next level of performance or help you to sustain your current presence. You're not going to get injured. You execute the skills properly, you will do well and minimize your uh, discomfort and injury pain to something like a bruise or a scrape instead of a traumatic brain injury. So what can schools and the sports themselves do about influencing in a positive way? And a positive way would be diminishing the chance of traumatic brain injuries and concussions continuing to occur. Some of the things I already said to you about that. They can be aware. They can help players, coaches, administrators, and families understand the importance of physical training. Be strong, be fit, so that your body and your brain have ability to connect with each other and keep you out of harm's way. Help you to make the right call when you're trying to head a soccer ball. That you see the other player and that you launch in the proper way the technique that your coaches teach you and how to to rise up to the ball. Run to the ball, then rise up to it. Don't run through the ball because you're going to wind up heading yourself into a player. Technique. Be an elite physical specimen that has the brains intact to guide and direct yourself through aware play and an awareness of your of your uh, performance on the field. I get excited sometimes. Just this is a topic we we can control it and still have the luxury and the benefit of a great experience playing a sport you love with minimal opportunity to be uh, concussed and suffer a traumatic brain injury. But once again, I'll say it often, there's no guarantee. There, there's just no guarantee. In closing the show today, I just want to go over some things that if if your competitor in your family or at your home, both pro and amateur players, you're going to have people around you. If there's a chance that you had an incident in a game or a contest that caused you to feel a little bit less than who you are, make sure that you're looking at these signs so that you are aware of, of good, good hygiene, I guess, as, as it relates to traumatic brain injury. So that when you are at your apartment, at your home with your family, you're evaluating your level of fatigue. Are you fatigued unnecessarily? You haven't done any extracurricular activities. You haven't gone out and done any high intense uh, workouts, but you still feel, feel fatigued. You have a little bit of mental confusion, what I call brain fog. You're not as sharp as you normally feel. Any pain, that would be a really quick sign to say, hey, I need to go see the doc if there's any pain. And that would be pain typically neck, shoulders, headaches, something to the level of migraine, a desperation feelings. I don't know why I'm here. I don't want to be here. I just want to I just want to die. Some comments like that could indicate a sense of depression. Or you're anxious. You can't sit still. You don't want to be in this room. Maybe that's the way you want to deal with the discomfort that isn't quite pain yet, but it's stiffness or it's a soreness that just keeps nagging at you and you and you just get anxious about it. You just want to leave. Can't sit still. And then when you're asked questions about it, you strike out at people. You have these big, huge mood swings. And it's not just occasional. It's a consistent kind of thing. That consistency is a big part 
of identifying, are you recovering from the traumatic brain injury or not? And one of the last ones is being able to remember things, memory problems. Each of these particular pieces I shared with you, uh, there are degrees of intensity. Higher the degree, the more frequent they happen, and if they're all connected, if many of them happen at the same time, nausea, pain, fatigue, and, f and memory, all in the same moment of the day, those are pretty strong indicators. You need to go see some professionals and make sure that you're getting uh, whatever medication can be given you to help you out, instructions to deal with the situation that you're facing. It's traumatic brain injury and concussions are not uncommon. Uh, it can happen in sports like tennis, volleyball. It seems reasonable for soccer, right? Contact sport, falling down, accelerate, deaccelerate that whiplash effect of your head on your neck, uh, headers, less likely in the sports of like tennis or volleyball. Now, that being said, remember projectiles. Tennis ball in, in certain levels can get up into the 90s and 100 mile an hour ranges. What would that do to your head if it hits you square on in the, in the frontal cortex area, the cerebral cortex area? That may cause a little bit of the brain bouncing back and forth against your skull. Be aware of what can happen and put yourself in a position to protect yourself and be properly prepared now that you have that knowledge. I've got more than my share of, of examples of what happens when concussions and traumatic brain injuries are not dealt with in a timely fashion, especially over time. Uh, we have more than a casual amount of incidences of, uh, of suicides because football players, athletes couldn't handle the pain, depression, the anxiety that has built up in their brain and bodies. They just didn't want to deal with it anymore. What can we do then? We can be aware of those signs as academic institutions, as professional sports worlds, as just moms and dads family members. Car accidents represent over 20% of traumatic brain injuries. Sports is in the high teens. Car accidents are far more frequent in traumatic brain injuries. But regardless of the source and how frequent they might be, a concussion that leads to traumatic brain injury is not something we need to casually look at. There are very def definitive signs. If a concussion goes untreated, people can be perceived as okay. But individuals like Amy Rankin, her quote, until somebody told her that she had a traumatic brain injury, she thought she was going crazy. She thought she was still normal, but because of these things that were happening, it was just not, not the normal thing. So she thought she was going crazy, that it wasn't treatable. She was alone. We have a very active world. Sports and social activities are growing as far as business interests. We're able to, to be productive and have extra time for leisure activities, which is a great thing, wonderful thing. But our competitive nature comes out. And even if you're not competitive, there's more bike riding, there's more hiking, there's more doing of other types of things, hand gliding, parasailing, any number of things. We have lots of choices. Be aware of who you are and where, you're up, where you are at and with whom so that you can be not only aware of your own activities, but in those occasions when you're playing a friendly game of volleyball with friends and family on a picnic and somebody falls unexpectedly by slipping on the grass after trying to spike the ball, big swinger, and they fall on the ground, no contact with anybody else other than the ground. But by the nature of the fall, there was a bit of a whiplash, that accelerate deaccelerant motion. And all of a sudden, they didn't get up very quickly. And when they did get up, they were uncertain in how they moved. That's not a shake it off and move on kind of observation. That would be go through the checklist. Dr. Cantu's book has a great appendix. Concussions in Our Kids from Dr. Cantu, Dr. Robert Cantu, has a great list and appendix about the checklist. 
and about what doctors should be asking your kids, you or the people that you know, about their condition when they go in and see them. And unfortunately, not every physician is as aware of the signs of a traumatic brain injury. We'll be less likely to identify it when the people that are bringing this athlete, this individual in to be examined, wants to get out of there as quickly as possible. They don't want to have to face the consequences of the traumatic brain injury. It's not fun and it certainly isn't a short-term fix. It takes time to heal brain tissue. Not a lot of competitors have the desire to spend the time waiting for themselves to get healed. Well, every Friday we bring you things like this at 360 Performance at 11 o'clock on KUHSDenver.com. Thanks for sharing your time with me. Hope you're having a great day. Be aware, be creative, and share what you know with others so that they can improve how good they are. Have a great day. Take care.